You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong. Alongside me, Cooper Linton, representing Transitions Life Care. Good evening to you, Cooper. Thrilled to be here, Jason. Excellent, excellent. And we've got Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. Hello, Nicole. Hey, so happy to be here. Excellent. We've got a, a good show lined up, as we always do. And Cooper, let's just jump right into it. We've got a, a fine guest here, and we're going to be talking about uh, rehab. And this is, uh, you know, not uh, the rehab that some folks might think of when watching celebrities on VH1 and MTV. This is a different kind of rehab. This is not uh, drug and alcohol rehab. No, it is not. Though that may be a fine topic for another show. We continually get questions, Guiding Lights gets questions, Transitions Life Care gets questions about nursing homes, sometimes um, inaccurately called rest homes. I've even heard them called old folks homes. Uh, People don't really understand what these things are. And there continues to be confusion about long-term nursing care and how that's paid for and who gets it. And also the whole idea of rehab care, rehabilitative care. Uh, which is a very different type of care than long-term nursing. And so we thought we'd bring on an expert, somebody who runs one of these. And so we have with us this evening Jennifer Lamar. She's the administrator from Raleigh Rehab Center here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, They're located inside the Beltline in Raleigh and have a long history of servicing this area. Jennifer, thanks for joining us on the show this evening. Well, thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here and talk about the services that we provide um, at Raleigh Rehab and, like you said, at uh, nursing homes specifically. Well, let's start off with what's a nursing home. And we think everybody knows, but I'm not sure they actually do. Well, nursing home um, consists of long-term care, consists of short-term rehabilitation. Um, They're often called in the healthcare setting SNFs or skilled nursing facilities. Like when you go... Yeah. Sniffs? <laughs> not exactly. Not, not that kind of sound. Okay. <laughs> so it's a SNF for skilled nursing facility. Right. But you use the term long-term care nursing, long-term nursing, and you also talked about rehab. Can you explore those terms for yeah. us a little bit? So at Raleigh Rehab, we it's a four-story facility that's been in operation in Raleigh for 50 years. Um, and we have three, we have four stories. The second story, actually, we dedicate to short-term rehabilitation or post-acute care for patients that are coming out of the hospital. Um, it's often now looked at as like a step-down unit from the hospital. Very acute care patients that either need rehabilitation to go back home or some additional services that are no longer acute care at the hospital. So let me stop you right there, Jennifer. Give us some examples of somebody who may be appropriate to be in a short-term rehab, quote, bed, as people like to call them. Certainly. Um, So we often see um, patients that go in for elective surgeries, such as a knee replacement, a hip replacement. We often see strokes, which are, of course, unplanned. Um, events where people need all three levels of care, whether it be uh, our physical, occupational, and speech therapy after stroke rehabilitation. Um, we also take care of trach patients, and we have respiratory therapists on site. So not every place does that, though. So yeah. that's a differentiator from correct. yours to, to others as correct. far as the trach care. Yes, okay. that's correct. Yeah, um, we, we take care of a very complex patient coming out of the hospital that needs Um, Like I said, our short-term beds um, are for short-term. We want to get people back on their feet and back to their baseline of what they were doing prior to their hospitalization. So when you say the word short-term, how short are we talking here typically? Yeah, on average, it's between 20 to 30 days. 
Oh, wow. So that is pretty short. Mm -hmm. And it can be upwards. Medicare allows for patients if they're meeting um, certain goals, certain goals, if they're still meeting their goals, they're getting better, they're still progressing, Mm -hmm. they're getting better. Medicare has a benefit up to 100 days. Okay. But often we see that people don't need that long of a time period. Sometimes they do, but not um, on average speaking. So you're saying Medicare is saying. So that leads me to believe that this may be a benefit of Medicare to receive these services. Yes. Yeah. Um, Medicare allows um, individuals after they've had a three-day qualifying stay in a hospital. A three-day qualifying stay. Hang, hang yeah, on, this just go. got technical. <laughs> so what is a? Th- so I have to go to the hospital to come to you. Um, under Medicare. So yes. if I have Medicare mm-hmm. and I want rehab days as opposed to nursing days, correct? I need to be in a hospital for three days. Yes, and that's three midnights and admitted to the hospital. Not observation. Not observation. I'm admitted Not to the, the hospital. ER. Right. I get three midnights. Correct. And then you can, then you One would qualify for skilled nursing facility stay. And that qualifies me for what? I, I, I can then be transferred from the hospital to your rehab facility. Correct. And how much do I pay for that if I'm on Medicare? The first 20 days are 100% covered by Medicare. So that and so a lot of times what we hear is we people think Medicare pays for nursing homes. Right, and that's and I think there's some confusion in that because yeah. they pay for rehab days, correct? A limited number, right? At a hundred percent, right? After certain circumstances, but they do not pay for routine nursing services, correct? That's accurate. Uh, okay, what about Medicaid? So Medicaid pays the room and board for our long-term care population, so pays for them to, for their entire stay. Um, the Department of Social Services, if an individual qualifies for Medicaid, will say, we'll pay for your covering stay, but you're required to pay X amount to the nursing home every month out of your income. So let's back up a second. We were just talking about rehab, which yeah. is a short-term, temporary-type stay, and now we're talking about Medicaid paying for a long-term stay. Right. So if somebody... I guess isn't getting better, but maybe they don't. You don't feel like they're well enough to go home. Do they then get transferred from being in the short term stay to the long term stay? That's that's typically what we'll do. But addition, there's an additional benefit with Medicaid. So, um, in the event that the individual is with us for their Medicare stay and Medicare is paying for it 100 percent the first 20 days. Then they come into copay. So Medicare, if they're still progressing, Medicare will continue to pay for the rehabilitation, but they have a copay. Medicaid will then pick up that copay if they qualify for Medicaid. And if they're not on Medicaid, how do they pay for the copay? Some other insurances will also pay for the copay. So a lot of people have a supplemental plan to their Medicare. Okay. And that will cover the the copays as well. So then this isn't coming directly out of someone's pocket, typically? Typically, yes. So for those listeners that recall a couple weeks ago when we had van braxton on who was talking about medicare and supplemental policies that can be used in conjunction with medicare i think that's what jennifer's referencing here is that medicare is the primary payer but they have a copay left over after day 20 in the nursing facility and somebody has to pick that tab up and if you don't have a supplemental policy it's probably going to come out of your pocket but very uh, it's, it's very high likelihood that you would have a supplemental policy. Right. And so people can get additional rehab days after day 20, typically without additional expenses. Right. So what kind of goals would somebody have if they're in a rehab? What We talk about goals of care. What does that really mean? So goals of care would um, mean, you know, 
at their home, they have three steps to get into their home from their garage or from their driveway. And so we want to make sure that they can get up those three steps to get into their home when they go home. So one of the things that we hear often is around independence, and I want to be able to drive again. Can you help with that? Of course. We do a lot of car transfers with our PT um, uh, department. That means getting in and out of the car. means getting in and out of the car, correct. And I would suspect people who might have had a stroke may have some difficulties in the kitchen and things like that. So you're wanting to get that person back to being independent. And I've seen there's kitchen setups and things like that to make them... Yeah. And at Raleigh Rehab, we actually have two different therapy gyms. One is our physical therapy gym, and one is our occupational therapy gym. And our occupational therapy gym actually has a full kitchenette with uh, the refrigerator, the stove, the sink, and we would actually mimic a lot of the cooking activities um, that you would see at home. Our guest this evening is Jennifer Lamar. She is the administrator at Raleigh Rehab Center. We will continue our conversation in just a bit. And uh, we briefly mentioned that program we did a few weeks ago with Van Braxton. If you missed that show, you can head on over to WPTF.com and head over to the Aging Matters section. And you can listen to that whole interview on demand and you'll get some very good information. Uh, Pretty much everything you need to know about Medicare, we, we covered in there. It was a very good program. I highly recommend you check it out if you missed it. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong. She is Nicole Bruno. He is Cooper Linton. And our guest this evening is Jennifer Lamar. She is the administrator of Raleigh Rehab Center. And Cooper, or uh, Nicole, I'm going to start off with you. I always start with Cooper. I'm tired of starting off with Cooper. I'm going to start with you, Nicole. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, we're gonna, you know it. We're gonna, Who's the boss? You are the boss. <laughs> we're going to kick it over to you. We were, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about rehab care and how that works. Uh, well, we uh, we sort of touched on long-term care a little bit, but we, we're going to dive in first here. Let's let's talk about some long-term care. Yeah, you know, I think when folks call a transition scouting lights, typically, a lot of times people don't realize that there are so many different options of the types of care. And people usually call and say, okay, I need to put my mom in a nursing home. And they don't even realize there's a whole continuum of other types of care out there and available. So what I was hoping uh, that you could do, Jennifer, is just sh- shed a little light on the type of care that's received in that, quote, long-term nursing home bed versus what is received in the rehab. So, you know, if somebody was in the rehab and they're not making gains, you know, what makes you decide it's appropriate for them to move into long-term nursing beds versus perhaps, you know, go to an assisted living that provides a high acuity of care, that type of thing? Sure. Um, Well, in a nursing facility for long-term care specifically, we provide a higher level of care and higher oversight of personnel to the care than what you would typically see in most assisted living. Okay. Um, not only do we provide the three hot meals a day, but we have nurses around the clock 24 hours a day. Um, typically the patients that we care for in the skilled nursing facility on the long-term care side, mm-hmm. if you will, um, are, are patients that have um, a lot more skilled need. They need a nurse to monitor their care. So when you say skilled need, what does that mean? So skilled um, means a licensed nurse to monitor their care. So they may need um, 
Maybe they, they have may, a wound. They may have a lot of wound care. They may ha- be on blood thinners, and we're monitoring their lab work very closely. They may be very susceptible to UTIs. Which are? Um, urinary tract infections. And so they need additional assistance to make sure that they're being toileted, that they're being cleaned properly, because they can no longer help themselves like they used to. One of the things that I typically hear that is, is often a reason why folks can't go to an assisted living it might be because their diabetes is so so tricky to manage. Yeah. So they're on um, an insulin schedule really depending on what their blood sugar is at. Is that yeah. inaccurate? That's a great example um, is blood sugars um, are something that we monitor very, very closely and we have a lot of in our population. So um, we talked a little bit about how rehab was paid for. What about the skilled nursing long-term care beds? Yeah. Does that get a little tricky? Not. It's actually pretty straightforward. Um, when you decide that you need long-term care in the nursing facility, um, there's there's usually only three options. It's either paid for privately, which can be very expensive, or uh, Medicaid. Um, a lot of folks actually qualify for Medicaid that don't realize that they qualify for Medicaid. Well, let's stop there because I, what I heard was if you live in a nursing home and you're on Medicaid, you lose your house. You lose your farm. You lose every possession that you have. Is that true? That's not always true. Um, Oftentimes, if um, a married couple, one needs um, extensive care in a nursing home and the other doesn't, the uh, Department of Social Services, you do an application, and they will then have spousal allowances so they can continue to have their house. They can continue to have the income they need to support the household, but then they will support having the the other spouse that needs nursing care placement. And there's also a particular type of Medicaid that is specific to long-term care. That's right. That's where someone may qualify for long-term care Medicaid, but may not be qualified for Medicaid for other things such as hospital visits or physician visits. Absolutely. That's a great point to bring up as well. Um, It's a little more lenient as far as the Medicaid um, approval process, if you will. Qualifications Qualifications. for long-term care Medicaid are a little different. Yeah, it's... Um, it, it's more acceptable um, for individuals to qualify for long-term care Medicaid than, than you would think of. Um, it doesn't have to be the very poor, the very indigent that qualifies. The other options are some individuals have a long-term care policy, and that would cover their stay as well. And then, of course, some individuals do pay privately. So when we talk about someone going into a long-term care bed, we, we talked about the rehab stays that could be you know, two weeks, three weeks, up to 100 up to a hundred days. Uh, you said it kind of aired. It, it kind of um, shifted more to the shorter side of the hundred days. What kind of length of service are we talking about in the long-term care days? When someone comes there, are we talking days? Are we talking weeks, months, years? Um, typically, we see somewhere between three months to the to the rest of their life. Um, so someone can stay there. For, for the many, rest of their life at, 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 in, for, in one of these facilities. Many years. Yes, that's okay. correct. And when I say sometimes it's only three months, it's because some individuals, when they finish the rehab stay, they no longer um, qualify for any more Medicare on skilled rehab. But they still need additional rehab services to make it up those uh, three steps like we mentioned. They can walk 50 feet, but they can't get up the stairs. So they can go to a skilled bed and get some more rehab under Part B services like you would see in a 
an outpatient setting, if you will. So we've really focused a lot on the clinical needs of individuals that are living at the rehab centers. Uh, what about their social and emotional side? I mean, is there focus on that or is this just so heavy medically based that we really don't think about the other pieces of a person? No, we have a, a team of individuals in our social work department and what we call our activities or our recreational department. Um, we have a whole host of things that we try to provide for individuals between group activities, one-on-one activities, and then in-room um, services that we provide. If I were looking to um, potentially uh, look at a rehab center, maybe I knew I was going to be having a, a hip replacement surgery or a knee replacement surgery, how do I know I'm picking a good one that's going to have good outcomes for my diagnosis? Well, I always say the best thing to do is to visit them. Um, you see a lot of things on the internet, uh, but really the best advice that I can give anybody is to go in, ask for a tour, and look around. Do you have smiling faces? Is it clean? Um, is it bright? And is it something you could see yourself staying in for a period of time while you get back on your feet? You mentioned the internet, and I know that there's. you can go to the Medicare.gov website yes. and take a look at Nursing Home Compare. You can take a look at Home Health Compare. Um, there's all these comparative portions of Medicare, and they, and they give a snapshot uh, of certain indicators. But I think you make a really interesting point is that you, you, you're not going to live on the internet. You're going to go live in this facility and Correct. go. Right. People say, well, I don't really have time to go. You have time to spend three months there. You probably have time to go spend 30 minutes there. Absolutely. So show up. Do they need to make an appointment? Call ahead? No. No, just they can show up unannounced. Please show up. Um, we prefer an appointment so that we know that we have somebody available, but you're welcome to come in and ask around and say, well, show me your rehab beds. Show me your long-term beds because I'm considering um, placing my mother that needs additional services, and we'd be happy to show you our services and our staff. Can they go take a look at these places where people do rehab? Of course, Yeah. So one of the things that are, is a big pet peeve with this show is that we are just so crisis-driven in this society. We don't ever want to prepare for things in advance. And we talk a lot about why it's so important to look at the continuum of care. You know, Cooper and I recently did a presentation in New Orleans, and one of the statistics that we talked about was that a huge percentage of folks, I think it's two-thirds of people, don't have a plan for their future long-term care. What's some advice you can give people listening today to make sure that they're not in a crunch making a last-minute decision when that sudden stroke happens or maybe somebody falls and breaks a hip and needs a hip repair. My biggest advice is you need a healthcare power of attorney paperwork completed. You need a designated individual. Even if you think, well, my wife is my is my spouse, there can sometimes be legal barriers to the spouse even completing information. Um, have all of your documents in one location that somebody in your family knows where to locate them. Um, a healthcare power of attorney, a financial power of attorney, is advisable for everybody listening to this call, whether they be young or old. Jennifer Lamar, Administrator at Raleigh Rehab Center. Thank you so much for joining this evening. Joining us this evening, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. You can find more about Raleigh Rehab Center at RaleighRehabHC.com. That's RaleighRehabHC.com. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters: Care and Comfort That Surrounds You, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. 
You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton alongside me. Let's get into some serious stuff here, Cooper, because... You know, we, we always talk about caregivers and, and that role. And, you know, a, a big point of emphasis is preparation. And I know your kind of your experience with this and so many other people is that a lot of times, you know, there's you don't get advance notice when you're put into a caregiving role. Uh, most of the time, it just kind of happens. No, we uh, we don't usually get a heads up or at least sometimes what happens is we ignore the heads up. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we think that. Um, the caregiving issues sneak up on us. But in reality, we know that 11 out of 12 people are going to age with some sort of chronic condition. So there's times something surprises us. But most of the time, it's things we can plan for. And if we plan in advance, we can avoid some of the crises that tend to emerge in the caregiver experience. One of those issues that seems very pervasive and somewhat confusing for people is the concept of assisted living, or in in what in North Carolina we call adult care homes. And so today, uh, we have two guests who are from two different assisted living facilities, and they're going to actually help us understand the differences uh, between facilities, but also understand really what is assisted living in North Carolina and how can caregivers prepare. So joining us this evening, we have Matt Cross. He's the executive director of Spring Arbor of Cary. Uh, obviously located in Cary, North Carolina. And we also have Lisa Ridge, who is the healthcare director with Cambridge Hills Assisted Living out of Pittsburgh. So Matt and Lisa, welcome to the show tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. As am I. Thank, thank you very much. Well, can we start off with, because you, you both are, are representing different types of assisted living. Can you help us with your own definitions of what is assisted living. Can we just start with something as simple as that? Sure. Um, I represent Spring Arbor as the latest um, community that just opened in Cary. We have both assisted living and some memory care. Our assisted living is for people that need assistance, med reminders, help with ADLs. Now, Um, what's an ADL? So those are activities of daily living which is um, eating, ambulation, dressing, bathing, um, and transfers. So ADLs are really TIGs. Could be. TITGs, things I take for granted. Correct. You're very correct. So, I mean, we, when we think about it, we, we, these are things that most of us do on a routine basis. And it isn't until we are unable to do one of them or multiple ones that suddenly we're realizing there's a bit of a crisis in how we just handle life. That is correct. And sometimes people start off with a small imbalance, which leads to falls, falls risk, needing help with with bathing, dressing. So we have to look at their entire picture to see what services we can provide for them. So, you know, Matt, I'm, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm a listener listening at home tonight and I'm hearing about this, I might be thinking about a loved one in my mm-hmm. life that may be showing that they may need some assistance in some of these things. How do I know when it's the right time to start thinking about it? And how do I know perhaps, you know, this would be a good fit for a loved one? What do we, what do we, what do we look for? So I suggest to families a couple things. Mm-hmm. One is start doing your homework ahead of time. So start going out and in visiting assisted livings, see what their information is. Um, talk to specialists. 
We're so geared to do all this in advance, though, aren't we, as, oh, yeah. as human no, beings? I, I always get people with prices. <laughs> when come in. But, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> it would be nice. Um, talk with your doctors. Talk with the specialists. Maybe you have to go to a neurologist. Maybe somebody has Parkinson's or maybe somebody has a, um, a gait impairment. Work with PT, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and get adaptive equipment, such as a walker, maybe a quad cane. Um, start people working with those things. Mm-hmm. My other suggestion is start looking at your loved one's finances. So often people come to me and they say, I say, what are the finances like? And they have not a clue. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do suggest to people is that there's a pension involved. Go to the pension holder and see if there's nursing home insurance. The term long-term care insurance didn't come about until the 90s. Mm-hmm. The people we serve today were making their money in the 50s and 60s and 70s where nursing home insurance was on the pensions for pennies on a dollar. That will cover people today. Most teachers in North Carolina had that tied to their pension, just for an example. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, you talk about, and we were just joking about the fact that people don't do things in advance. Mm. And I know at Transitions Guiding Lights, and I know both you and Lisa deal with this all the time at your assisted living communities, there are some major pitfalls in doing these things in a crisis. I mean, one, first of all, you may not have the choice that, that, you, that you wanted to have because there just may not be in an opening somewhere that, that is the ideal place for your loved one. What are some of the other pitfalls? That is about? correct. Oftentimes, too, um, coming out of a hospital situation, families don't understand the difference between mom's been in for two days or mom's had three nights qualifying stay. Now, one will discharge you to an assisted living arena. One will discharge you to the rehab arena. Okay, And then if you're in rehab, there's 20 days of which are very key um, to make sure that mom or dad are, or your loved one is gaining ground and be able to do the therapies. Um, during all this time, research on where you want mom or dad to be is so critical. Closeness of proximity to the family, what things the community will do or not do, what they will accept or not accept are some of the key factors. I think sometimes people make an assumption that once we get mom and dad out of the facility and, and home, we'll be able to do everything. And one of the points we often make with families is if you needed 24-hour nursing care yesterday, you're probably going to need some level of support around the clock today. And you can't just assume that because now you're back in your home, everything is like it used to be. So Lisa... So what are some of the things that you wish families would consider before you meet them for the first time? Oh, that's a hard question. There's so much to look at. Um, Backing up to what Matt said, you know, you were asking about when um, people could potentially be admitted to assisted living or when you think you know that they might need help. Number one, I would say, you know, you have to start looking. He said, look at finances, but some people because they live in a place for 50 some odd years, they have a routine. And when they start changing that routine, when they start paying their bills, or when they stop eating, or when they can't start 
uh, or they can't fix their meals anymore. You start to see weight loss. Those are things also that you're going to look at to consider possibly moving someone into assisted living. So I think, you know, if you have the question in your mind that mom or dad might need assisted living, that's probably the right time to start to look. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. Lisa as well. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Lisa Ridge, healthcare director at Cambridge Hills Assisted Living in Pittsburgh, and Matt Cross, the executive director of Spring Arbor of Cary. Uh, Lisa, real quick, if if people want to get a hold of Cambridge Hills Assisted Living, how how do folks go about doing that? Well, our phone number is 919-545-9573. And Matt, how do folks get a hold of Spring Arbor of Cary? Our phone number is 919-388-9635. Excellent, excellent. And uh, if you missed any of that information, feel free to download the show from WPTF.com in the Aging Matters section. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here, Nicole Bruno right there, Cooper Linton over here, and uh, lady and gentlemen, we are uh, uh, in our final segment of the show here. And I, I think, Nicole, you mentioned that some congratulations are in order for uh, Mr. Linton over here. Yes, indeed. I understand that you have some amazing news related to the expansion of the hospice home. We are very pleased that not only did we get it built and the town of Cary saw fit to give us a certificate of occupancy, uh, but the state has certified and licensed that building. And so we are uh, now permitted to put those beds into use in the very near future in our hospice home staff who are just incredible people uh, do amazing work night and day weekends holidays they're just an amazing group of folks uh, are getting ready to be able to put those beds into use for our community we're extraordinarily excited about it and the feedback we get from families about that facility is impressive you know the the number one place people want to be is at home mm-hmm. but that building is there when home just is not an option where the medical needs of that patient are so high that it's really this home, the hospice home, or, or going back into a hospital. And most people just don't want to be in a hospital uh, if they can help it. They've spent a lot of time there already, and the hospitals are awesome. But the hospice home really serves a different type of patient. And uh, we've been able to add some components to the building that we think will enhance the care and make it easier to handle patients that are even sicker than the ones we've treated for the last uh, eight or 10 years. I think one of the other special things that Transitions Life Care does, and I don't think you get enough props for this, is in the way that you treat your veterans. And I know we're coming upon the month of November, and I know you have a huge number of Veterans Day events. Talk to us a little bit about that. We do. We actually do this a couple times uh, during the year, but we have a partnership with the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization uh, called We Honor Veterans, and it's that simple. We want to recognize that's veterans. special too, though. It, it is special. It is. It is. I don't want to. I don't want to in any way minimize it. When you look at the percentage of people who are veterans who are dying, uh, we often forget that these people who are eighty-five years old, ninety years old, and we still some have some that are between ninety-five and a hundred. 
World War II vets that are still mm-hmm. out there, they gave an incredible amount many, many years ago, uh, gave an incredible amount of their life. They lost friends. Many of them were wounded, uh, but they've carried that veteran role in their life for the rest of their life. And the studies are showing that these patients often experience end of life differently than mm-hmm. non-veterans. So we've trained our staff to uh, do an assessment of veterans early on, determine what things we can do to help and help them at end of life, prepare families for things that they may never have seen. True. And, you know, throwing my social worker hat back on, I do that occasionally during the show. I have worked with dozens and dozens of veterans at end of life when they've had life-limiting illnesses such as Alzheimer's. And a lot of these folks have traumas and experiences that they have truly locked away in a box deep within inside themselves that come out. And, you know, sometimes they are just looking to tell their story to someone. And I'm quite sure a lot of your staff are those ears sometimes. Sometimes they're looking for forgiveness. They have such guilt and it really takes a very special ear. And I really want to encourage everybody listening who has a veteran in their lives that sometimes these holidays that come up, they tend to bring up feelings for some of these folks. And you really need to think about that and give them some unconditional love and empathy during these times because some of these people have really been through some very, very difficult situations. Absolutely. And we're really now dealing with veterans uh, of the wars in the Middle East at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we see that those veterans were serving in the 1990s, uh, some of them more recent than that, and yet they are being diagnosed with terminal illnesses. And we need to deal with that. Their families are struggling to deal with these things. And the We Honor Veterans Program allows us to embrace those patients and embrace their families with an expertise that is, one, obviously honoring, but the other is that it truly understands the unique needs of veterans, many of which may relive some of those experiences um, just as a natural process of dying. Their mind goes life back review. to that. It is a life mm-hmm. review piece. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting with a veteran at one point who thought he was back in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. This was a World War II veteran, and he thought he was back. Uh, we assume it was New Guinea. Mm-hmm. We were trying to piece that together with the family. But it was uh, an amazing um, experience for the family to understand what he'd gone through. Talk to me a little bit about the special pinning ceremony. What is that? Well, the pinning ceremonies are an honoring ceremony for veterans. And I think part of the beauty of it is done by voluntary, by volunteers with Transitions Life Care who are military veterans themselves. So they come in and um, recognize that veteran present them um, with a certificate of appreciation, but then there's a pinning ceremony where they, are, um, where they receive a pin in recognition of their, uh, of their service. Uh, and it's a great experience for families who have never seen their loved one honored before. But mm-hmm. amazingly, we have had veterans that uh, said this was the first time that they had ever been mm-hmm. honored or, or uh, recognized for their service. And wow. to me, it's amazing that someone's 70, 80 years old, mm-hmm. and this is the first time somebody said, you know, thank you. And I bet you'll see a lot of that with the upcoming Vietnam vets as well. Cause they and we're seeing back those. And, yeah. We're absolutely seeing that. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right, Nicole. Those veterans from the Vietnam War came back you know, not as the heroes of World no. War II mm-hmm. um, or even the champions of the Korean War, but they came back to a very disturbed uh, social setting in the United States at that point. And many of them 
melted back into civilian life and tried to put the Vietnam experience behind them and may have Mm -hmm. until now. And they're facing end of life and it comes back. My own father was a Vietnam vet and he came back and literally decided he was just going to drive a tractor trailer across the country for two years. And that's basically how he recovered from it. Because again, there really wasn't that support that we have now for the vets coming back. We didn't talk about PTSD. We didn't have these programs. You know, we, the term shell shock were used, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the thousand yard stare, all these phrases that were passed mm-hmm. around, which were really indications of people who had been traumatized, that were trying to readjust, uh, and they needed medical assistance. Unfortunately, that medical ass- assistance and science didn't exist right. then. Mm-hmm. And it does now. And we can not only do things better in the treatment of veterans post war, but through the We Honor Veterans program, we we're able to do things for veterans at the end of their life as well. Yeah, that's a, a really neat opportunity, uh, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you guys are doing that because that sounds like a, such a special event. There are hospices across the entire United States that are doing that. So, and it's not just one event. You do dozens We do multiple of them. Yeah. We do them on Veterans Day. Uh, we do them on Memorial Day. Uh, we also recognize family members because, you know, th- this is a family event, um, and we recognize veterans throughout the entire year because— well, it's not always the timing is not always right for Veterans Day. Yeah. Well, speaking of events, we've uh, wrapped up the caregiver yes. summits for the year, and and you're going to make me talk about 2018 already, aren't you? Already. You we're, know, we're can, just can I just have a moment? No, never, 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 never. No, no moment ever. Just the, well, there's no rest for caregivers, so we got to keep we <laughs> got right. to keep it work. You are the example. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. So we are looking at 2018, and we have listened. Um, so many people have asked us year after year, can't we have more of these? Can't we? Can't you do it twice a year? And we yeah, really, come on, Nicole. <laughs> well, we're not exactly doing more of these, but we have actually ex- uh, sort of spread out when we're doing them so that really there's going to be multiple offerings throughout the Triangle area in 2018. So we'll be doing an event in June, which is going to be new this year at the Sheraton Imperial. We're going to do another beautiful ca- location, beautiful location, still another, Durham address, still that's right. accessible there, but. And then another one uh, back again at the Friday Center in August. And then it's kind of switching things around. We're going to be at the McKimmon Center in Raleigh, actually at the very tail end of October. And then we're going to continue on in Harnett County at the beginning of October. So we are really excited to be able to do this again for the community next year. We'll be back. That's great. And again, you know, we'll be talking about this uh, very, very soon. So uh, please stick around and always catch Aging Matters. And we'll have updates uh, throughout the year as we, uh, we gear up to put Nicole to work to get these uh, extra events and uh, more spread out events going. But we are just about out of time. want to thank everyone uh, for listening this evening. On behalf of Nicole Bruno and Cooper Linton, I am Jason Kong. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you'll catch us again next Saturday evening at 7. We've got a great program lined up. We'll hope you'll join us then. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF.